0: Today is a somber day for many reasons, but the most life-changing reason is that we get our minds and hearts around Jesus' willingness to give himself for us. We can so easily move our hearts towards Resurrection Sunday, Easter, that too quickly we forget what it was like that first Good Friday. So today, Good Friday service is not necessarily a fun service. Uh, We do pretty good at fun around here, but it's a somber one, one where we slow down and reflect and quiet our hearts before remembering what Christ has done for us. So tonight we begin with the idea of waiting. Remembering that waiting with God is never, ever wasted. To help us reset our environment of waiting, watch this Good Friday monologue from the skit guys. Before we start, please uh, have your crackers and juice uh, ready, as we'll be celebrating communion in just a few moments. Uh, Remember that if you need a substitute, that is fine. It's not a major thing what you use but that you're remembering and that we're remembering together. Also, if you'd like to give your kids a more kid-friendly experience, uh, please take note of the emails and uh, messages that uh, Jess Bish has sent out regarding Right Now Media and also some kids own material that would allow your children to uh, watch and experience uh, Good Friday on a level that's uh, appropriate for them. Uh, Before we get started, let's uh, open our time together tonight in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the love that we celebrate this evening. Father, it is so easy for us to rush towards Resurrection Sunday, the good news, Easter, and not really slow down and somberly think about what your Son did for us on our behalf that first Good Friday, that night on Thursday where he was betrayed. So, Father, we ask that our time together would be meaningful, uh, thoughtful, encouraging, and also revealing where our hearts are at when it comes to our walk with you, our communion with you, our understanding of you, and how we function in a world that really seems to have gone upside down. We thank you that we can gather this way tonight. We just ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen.
1: It was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. Um, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, hey Thomas, I feel like something special's gonna happen tonight. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. <laughs> Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, "What's Jesus doing with the foot water? You know, I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet." <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He, uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange, yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's gonna say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence, Peter. No way you're gonna wash our
2: feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't gonna wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not gonna wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch, okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us
1: servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine, he blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood. And he said, um, tonight, All of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there.
2: I couldn't just sit there, I had to say something so I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray.
1: Once we got to the garden, um, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with them and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. And I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right?
2: There, there he is. He's the one you want, the one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want.
1: A kiss? Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, And then it it got crazy. Uh, Peter. Peter grabs a sword and he, he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus, Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him But we didn't. Everyone ran. I ran.
2: I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that I've killed him. I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus.
1: I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted, and that's what they got. Personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me.
2: It makes no sense. There I was rotten in a jail cell for stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew. The next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, I mean, that was it. So the guards, they came and got me and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're gonna say, let Jesus go. And then I was gonna tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, I mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd, and they, and they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, I mean one minute, I, I am a man marked for death. And then the next, I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha.
1: I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We'd just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away, he fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down, but this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them.
2: He said, Forgive them. Who is he? Forgive me. should have been me up there. I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up, and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished. And then, he died.
1: Surely,
0: this man was the Son of God. It should have been me on that cross. It should have been us on that cross. Jesus gave it all in the greatest demonstration of love and amazing grace. Please go to your YouTube links for Amazing Grace and the two other songs, Raised to Life, And Jesus paid it all. You can easily assess them from our Facebook page, even if you don't have Facebook yourself. The websites, the links are listed on the screen. And let's remember together through music, some of us singing along, some of us listening, just what Christ did for us that Good Friday. Jesus paid it all. He gave it all. In Mark, we read, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, finished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left and went into the city and found things just as Jesus told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened. And one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is the one of the twelve, he replied, who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. There's something very special about experiencing communion, the Lord's Supper, in our homes. In a sense, it's a reminder that Jesus isn't to be just the center of the local church, but he's to be the center of our homes, of our real lives, of the place we live, play, spend time with family and friends, our home. So this opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper in our homes is very meaningful. It's very powerful for us. Now, remember, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it can really be a reorientation of all that is important for life, beginning with who God is. When thinking about partaking of the Lord's Supper, when celebrating the Lord's Supper, I like to remind myself and remind us about who God really is. In Psalm 103, we read God is sheer mercy and grace. Not easily angered, he's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins." As a parent feels for their children, God feels for those who fear him. He knows us inside and out. Communion is a symbolic expression. The elements, the crackers, the juice, or whatever you have to use on this occasion, whatever you have is available, are symbolic They they remind us of what Christ has done for us. We have to remember that grace is not dispensed or given out by receiving communion. But what makes remembering, celebrating communion so significantly spiritual is it helps put us back, our lives back in perspective. It refocuses us. It recalibrates us. So while there's nothing magical about these elements per se, what can happen in a person that said yes to Christ's heart is is, um, just incredible. Because as you and I celebrate communion, if you heard me talk about often, uh, we look back, we look back to that uh, Good Friday and that resurrection, we look back to Christ giving his life. Uh, We also look within, We remind ourselves of where our relationship with God is. We have to ask ourselves, are we moving forward with our relationship with God? Have we put it on the back burner? Is there some kind of thing that's, uh, in a sense, causing static on the line? We call that sin that's interrupting our closeness with the Lord. We also have to look within and ask ourselves, have we truly said yes to Jesus? Is our knowledge about Jesus only intellectual in our head, or has it worked its way into our heart, beginning that life change from the inside out? We also look around, and if we were to go back and look at the church at Corinth, we would see when they celebrated communion, they actually celebrated it in a way that uh, cheapened the value of people. So for us today, so many years later, when we celebrate communion, we look around, and that looking around is the idea that we want to take the love that Christ has expressed to us and share it with others. So that is one reason when we gather together and you get your program, you see a little love offering in there. That is to give beyond your regular giving. That's just scratching the surface. There are many ways we can look around and demonstrate the love of Christ but we also can help with, with actually acts of service for those in our church family and those in our community. We also look forward. Paul talks about looking forward to that day when Christ will come and set everything right. When we look forward, we also again look at our lives and see if we're using them, investing them in things for the future. For that day when eternity will be our reality. Paul writes about experiencing communion, celebrating communion, remembering communion when he writes these words. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Rather, examine your motives, test your heart, and come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought, or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you even now are listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. So, as we examine our hearts, as we examine our place, where we're at with our relationship with God, we need to examine how we're expressing our Christ-following, and we have to ask us, are we a Christ-follower? And if we're not a Christ-follower, then in this moment, even from your home, your living room, wherever you're celebrating communion, maybe around the dining room table, maybe in the kitchen, In these quiet moments, I'm going to pray in just a few moments, but in these quiet moments, uh, you can ask the Lord, you can say, Lord, I want to say yes to you. I want you to be a part of my life. I place the trust of my life in the gift of your son, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And Father, I want you to come into my life for the Holy Spirit to join my life, to connect with me, And I want to do the best I can to follow you from this moment on. And then when you celebrate communion, you can celebrate as the reality of your life. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We're thankful that he forgives our sins, our self-centeredness, our disobedience, whatever that looks like in our life, and that he actually separates it as far as the east is from the west. If there's a person right now that has not said yes to you, we ask that in the place of his heart, he or she would say yes to you. And for those of us who have said yes to you, we ask that our relationship with you would be close, would be tight. And if there's things that are creating static on the line, if you will, that you would help us address those, repent of those, change our thoughts regarding those things, and then our actions. So I ask that as we continue to celebrate, as we partake of these elements that represent Jesus' body and his blood that this would be truly a reality of all of our lives. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Now, when I was a boy growing up celebrating communion and there would be that moment where the pastor or whoever was leading us would talk about us examining ourselves and making sure there was no sin in our lives, I would automatically go to things that I had done wrong, uh, things that had been totally selfish, had been even mean-spirited, and I would go to those things and I would kind of just focus in on those I wouldn't let those go, and, and so communion really became a moment of just kind of thinking about my inadequacies, and maybe that is a part of communion, but that's just a part of it. You see, really, communion is a celebration because we celebrate that we have been freed from our sin, that God has paid the penalty of our sin and that those sins, those disobedience, those uh, marks of selfishness are not held against us, are forgiven. I love what uh, the psalmist David writes. He says, count yourself blessed, how happy you must be. You get a fresh start, your slates wiped clean. Count yourself fortunate, God holds nothing against you, and you're holding nothing back from him. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became daylong groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I will make a clean break of my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved and my sin disappeared. See, when you and I come to Christ, when you and I come to God with a repentant heart, he forgives us. And so as we celebrate communion and those things have been brought to our mind, we don't just stay in that place. We move on, and we can move on quickly. That Christ has paid the price for those sins. Yes, we may need to make some course corrections in our life, but we don't just stay there. We celebrate Christ's adequacy to forgive us of our sins. So on that night that Jesus was betrayed, on that night where Jesus celebrated communion, that would have actually been Monday, Thursday, last night, he gave thanks, Jesus that is, he broke the bread and said, this is my my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior together. That was a bigger character than I'm used to. (laughs) In the same way, after supper... He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord and Savior together. Then Paul continues on and writes, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's the idea of looking forward. When you and I celebrate communion, we look within, we look back, we look forward, we look around. It's interesting that after they celebrated that first Lord's Supper together, they went out, and we read in Mark again, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, if rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted empathetically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went you to a place called Gethsemane. And Gethsemane was on the Mount of Olives, but it actually Gethsemane means the olive press. And the symbolism is strong there that this would be, in a sense, the olive press, the press for Jesus and his disciples. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of God sinners. The disciples, Jesus' closest friends, did not realize what was coming next. Their expectations were about to be crushed, and they were about to be left with no anticipation. As in the mornings, think it over, that I've been sending out Monday through Friday, I'm guessing they missed the concept of waiting with God is never wasted. Jesus was in the habit of waiting with God, and it was never wasted. He would often slip away, sometimes to a mountainside, squeezing every drop of strength from waiting with God. A couple of times that meant a night of prayer. This time, in prayer in the garden, he was doing it again. Jesus was experiencing the reality of Psalm 46. God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake, before the rush and the roar of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. Jacob's wrestling God fights for us. God of the angel armies protects us. Why do you think he could feel safe, Jesus that is, in waiting with God? Jesus knew what was about to happen. He was waiting with God till he would wait no longer. And he waited alone. We're told to wait with others, but he tried to wait with others, but he waited alone far from human connection as his friends were asleep. All of us, have before us the ability to wait with God, to wait in such a way that we can feel safe, even at the cliff edge of doom. We can be fearless. Verse 42, back to Jesus as he's being arrested, says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. That's a statement of fearlessness. That's a statement of, of courage. Little father down in 46, and again, Jesus is living this out. It reads, be still and know that I am God. Jesus in that garden was still and knew that God was God and his waiting with God would not be wasted. We can own that deep down within our souls because of Good Friday, then Quiet Saturday, then Resurrection Sunday. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases those words of Psalm 46.10. He writes, step out of the traffic, the noisiness of life. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything above everything, anything can fit in that category, above heartache, above job loss, above business problems, above boredom, above all the messages coming from us from different sources, a noisy world, a newsy world, a COVID-19 world, all those noises of life. We can step out of that noise, out of that traffic, and take a long, loving look at God our Father. Jesus regularly did that. That's what gave him the strength to face that edge at the cliff. It gives him an inner strength, and a strength that can be ours. That's why the rest of the account in Mark goes this way. Rise, let us go, here becomes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him, with a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teacher of the law, the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them, The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him, and fled. After a horrific night that Friday morning, it was now nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews, they crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and hands, saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen. He's calling for Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the significance of that is seen in 1 Timothy chapter 2 where Paul writes that God is on, is on one side and all the people are on the other side. And Christ himself, man, is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind. That curtain was torn. The curtain that blocked us from God was gone. in Jesus was between us and God, making it possible for us to know him. Now, usually at the end of our Good Friday services, I will say something like this. Before we head to our homes, I want to mention that we should leave in the spirit of Good Friday. Not a lot of talking, not a lot of visiting. Let the realization of sadness drive you home, but with anticipation that Sunday is coming, of course. But, obviously, you're already home. So maybe as we end our time together, why not have each person with you share a one-sentence praise or thank you to Jesus for giving himself for us. It could be something like this. I thank Jesus for the peace that he gives. I thank God for the way he provides for us. I think you've got the idea. Don't forget... That we have the benefit of knowing what's going to happen Sunday morning. Jesus' disciples didn't know. But as we traditionally sh- end our time together, let's end our time with this.
3: It's Friday. Jesus is praying, Peter is asleep, Judas is betraying, but Sunday's coming it's friday pilots struggling the council is conspiring the crowd is vilifying they don't even know that sunday's coming it's friday the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd mary's crying peter is denying but they don't know that sundays are coming It's Friday, the Romans beat my Jesus, they robe him in scar, they crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday, see Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday, Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the world's winning, people are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's Friday, the soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raise him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his Father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a-laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place, but it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a
0: coming. God be with you, for Sunday is coming. Hope to see you soon. Take care and be well.